welcome to Dancing in Your Head, the program that explores the upper reaches of music with your hosts Nell, Dan, Rita, and uh, we're joined today by two very special guests, Rosie Langebeer and Neil Feather. Hello. Kia ora. Hello. <laughs> Rosie, I'm going to push your microphone. Oh yeah, here we go. How's that? A little bit. All right. Mm-hmm. Um... So Rosie is a fantastic musician, pianist, keyboard player, piano accordion player, composer, and lots and lots of different stuff. And is, uh, in fact, I think we've played Zirkus on this show maybe once before, perhaps, and has been around for a long time and a very good friend. And uh, she lived for a number of years in the USA and met Neil, who's from... Baltimore, at least that's where you lived, right? Yeah, Baltimore for the past 35 years until until recently. Cool. Now Wellington. And was that a fair description of you, Rosie? Oh, I'm really flattered. That, 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 that was very special. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> and uh, both now um, we're very lucky because, uh, Rosie, what, you've been back here for a year or so? Yeah, just before lockdown last Last year, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and Neil, been here for what a f- couple of months, three months? Yeah, early December. I got out of the out of Splendor Jail and been walking around since then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, I forgot to mention that Neil was a f- wonderful instrument maker and musician and an inventor of wild and uh, amazing um, instruments and composer. So today we're going to hear music from these fine people. So, Choice. where do we start? <laughs> well, I don't know, Neil. You got something lined uh, up here? Well, I've got one of the Christian Christian cuts um, uh, lined up. You got a what? Sorry. Uh, so I've got this project um, that um, is hopefully going to press soon, but I've been working on it for a couple of years, which is a. <clears throat> a box set, a uh, double LP box set with a color um, color booklet. And um, the idea was to get as many instruments and musicians um, in short improvised duets. So there's 11 different, in, 11 different um, musicians that I'm playing duets with. And the one that's queued up is by uh, Kristen Tedman, who is from Baltimore, but also spends time in L.A. She's legit, like she sings on Disney films and and (laughs) Los Angeles Orchestra and stuff like that. And uh, so, but but she's a very funny and, you know. Yeah, she's the, she's got she's a triple threat. Um, so anyway, the one that I have lined up now, I'm not sure which one it is, but it's a short, um, short duet with her singing and me playing a, one of my instruments called the cocalina. Can you describe what that is? Um, cocalina is in it's it from a distance looks like a guitar. Um, but there's uh, only two strings on it, and there's a whammy bar at the top of the guitar that controls the tension of the strings. 
inversely. So one string gets um, tighter as the other one gets looser. Mm. So it sort of has a tonal center to it. <clears throat> but um, And then there's a fret in the middle of the guitar, and you play both sides of that fret. Um, and so that's... So there's sort of a, a mathematics to it. Plus, it's a floppy string instrument, so it's really <laughs> got a lot of texture. It's very percussive, more than scalar. It's like a whammy bar version of um, Pythagoras's instrument. What's that one called? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, th- I don't think I think I think Pythagoras would not <laughs> really abide by this one. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> cool. too much too much slop in the execution. Well, should we hit playing? Yeah, see which music? one. See which one that is. Yeah. yeah. So, here we go. Was did it have a name? Or was... um, I, I think that that had a name that um, uh, that was just spelling out some of the vocal sounds oh, in yeah. there. But no, not there's no narrative mm, to that mm, song mm. really. And did you come to uh, instrument making from playing a conventional instrument first? Um, well, that's a good question. I did play conventional instrument first but i probably came to uh instrument building after a very negative experience with music education so you know like i had played the trumpet but i didn't want to Mm. and i had had music instruction but i um um I, apparently, I wasn't living up to my potential <laughs> during those during those years. So I knew I was interested in music, and but was sort of um, against <clears throat> how it was being taught to me. And then when I was thirteen, I think um, I found out about um, 
uh, John Cage and Captain Beefheart and and most of all Harry Parch, mm. who is a huge uh, well, who developed he was a huge reactionary, so he didn't like what he was being taught either, and so he created a whole musical just intonation system and orchestra, and that sort of inspired me to to do the same. So that's when I started building instruments. Right, right, right. I was going to ask about Harry Patch because it's a kind of obvious link, although his instruments, I don't know if any of them are electric, at least none that I know of, but uh, your instruments all tend to be use amplification and for the most part, Yeah, stuff, for right? the most part, there's electromagnetic pickups on them where there's, yeah, there's amplification, which... And also the uh, mechanism of your instrument, some of them use magnetism not just as a pickup but as a as a sound producing part of it right i'm thinking of the one with the spinning discs and you have like a magnet yeah the magnapooters um that's well the, that's that uh, that's kind of a strangely acoustic instrument because i use um it's basically a spinning disc with magnets that you can move around on it like a 5 inch spinning disc or like a cd kind of thing yeah that size yeah. and um uh, just freewheeling, not motorized. And when the magnets go past a magnetic switch, then it just switches on DC power to wherever it's going. So it's sort of just a white, a white pop, mm. you know, white noise pop. And but then you can either affect that, or what I've done in a lot of situations is use modified speakers, like speakers filled with. Mm. Um, ping pong balls or mm-hmm. snare drums on top of speakers or, you know, speakers at the end of long tubes or, mm-hmm. you know, so it's just sort of acoustically modified speakers. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an acoustic instrument. It's certainly not electronic because mm. there's no changing the voltage. Um, so, yeah, so it's sort of like your hard drive, only simpler by you know, a factor of a billion or something. <laughs> Rosie's, uh, no, yeah. We're going to, uh, I think the idea is the ping pong today. Mm-hmm. Yes. So one track of Neil's and one track of Rosie's. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did or maybe manage? even a track so, of our Yeah, we've got a few projects. things that we do together. Cool. Yeah, um, that's kind of the best ones. Yeah, so cool. I've just pulled up one of the, one of our duet pieces, which um, is uh, from a thing we called Popular Organ Fun Party. Um, is that right? Is that what we called that one? The Ghost Psychiatrist song from that yeah, album? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the Popular Organ Fun Party, whenever there's an organ yeah, involved. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Like Good guy, we're on the same page. <laughs> well, uh, sometimes it was a Wurlitzer theater organ yeah so some- this organ is from the it's the one of the wanamaker organs from the wanamaker building in philadelphia which is where they filmed mannequin that movie that's that department store it's a crazy building with a crazy history um now it's macy's um and there's still this big organ in there that they do um everyday lunchtime concerts on uh in the back room they have a theater organ um, which is what this album uses. It's a, it's theatre organ combined with Neil's instruments. So the theatre organs have all the you know sound effects and different bits and pieces. Bells and whistles. Bells and whistles. Mm. We got to go in there and 
rehearse on. It's up on the second floor past the ladies' underwear down a little hallway and you get to this big hall that they just use for private events and to store all the old Christmas village equipment. So all the elves are wrapped up in plastic, sort of <laughs> lying around the place in the off-season times. Um, yeah, anyway, we had we had a lot of fun in there, um, having that chance to play with the organ. So but thought I'd share this piece oh. um, that we call Ghost Psychiatrist. Awesome. Let's hear it.
Very nice. So that was a recording from a kind of storeroom out the back on the second floor of a Macy's well, department it was store in used Philadelphia. as a storeroom, but really it was a grand hall, like we were talking about, with the wooden inlay, beautiful, like a kind of, what was it, a ballroom? The Greek, they called it the they Greek, the Greek hall. hall. Mm-hmm. Was so, quite yeah, fancy, fancy functions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the, yeah, just sort of the deterioration of that type of society mm. in the States, yeah, meant now it's Macy's shopping centre. And Macy's is like a department store, Yeah, it's like right? Kmart kind oh, of. Right. Well, well, a bit like a slightly fancy Kmart. But, yeah. Um, and uh, and they have the Christmas village out at Christmas time where you go and go mm. through tunnels and see the Santa's village and stuff. Yeah, so the... The reason the organs are still there is because it's too expensive to get rid of them, so they have to just keep them on board and keep, you know, because the whole, it's such a huge, the main pipe organ is so huge, it's the whole building, it's all around the whole building of this department store. Yeah, so they yeah. Can, it's like yeah. the biggest in the, was the biggest it in was the, the yeah, it, it was the biggest working one, uh, organ in the world, and then the Ocean City um, organ you know, fixed a few of their pipes and, and I think jumped ahead. Um, <laughs> but it's still, yeah, 30,000 pipes and the, Goodness. you know, the longest pipes are 32 feet long. Mm. And so, yeah, well, generally with pipe organs, you you build the organ and then you build the building mm. around it and they're tuned together. So, but it's, yeah, it's quite, I find that, you know, our friends who who keep the organ running, are are sort of not all that interested in music per se, you know. So they tend to, for this, all the music they play there is, is sort of like sacred music and the old repertoire, you know, Christmas music too. Um, but you know, fugues and stuff. So, you know, I mean, there's massive organ playing this, this, um, you know, stuff that makes you think about life and death. While you're shopping for shoes and lingerie, it's, it's, it's a nice kind of cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Going Christmas on. Yeah, socks. I didn't get that. So that's the that's the soundtrack for the store. Well, this this room is a side room. So, but yeah, but the, main the, the main one, one the main is one. Yeah, every this is just a regular <laughs> regular Wurlitzer the theater on. organ. Yeah, yeah that's Yeah. Where are we going next? Well, next we've lined up another organ piece, um, which is more of the popular organ fun party collaboration, um, and it's based on a fun machine organ um, that we have and have done a lot of experimenting with. A Baldwin parlor organ from 1974 with the... With a fun machine. What's a fun machine? A fun machine is like auto accompaniment... Drum, drums and bass lines. Oh right, yeah, like a kind of Casio tone. Yeah, the thing. precursor of those. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah you'll recognise it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
Very nice. That was, um, so we're talking with Rosie Langebeer and Neil Feather. Listening to some music they've been making in, uh, was that Philadelphia as well? Or was that Baltimore? That, that was in, that was in, that was in place. yeah, that was in our apartment yeah. in Baltimore. Mm. Um, yeah, we actually wanted to, wanted to tour with that, with that organ. Um, but, it, we found this beautifully, this organ that had been in someone's living room since 1976, and it had the original bill of lading on it, and it, and it hadn't been touched. And, uh, <clears throat> but then we started carting it around and, and started to lose minor functions mm. here and there. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, this one's got to stay. Yeah, yeah. This one's yeah. going to stay home. Um, but, yeah, I think that was when we started using that. That was... It was the first time where we just sort of spontaneously broke into dance, <laughs> <laughs> and that seemed to happen at the at the gigs too. So it's like, oh wow, I'm not used to making people dance. <laughs> What's well, uh, I was in Baltimore one time. I had a, just one night there, but um, and of yeah, course, I remember you guys came came through. Yeah, I missed you. I think it was, it was a great of all the. Uh, 10 gigs or something in the States, that was the best one for sure. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. 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 Where, did, where did you play there? You remember? Was it called The Crown? Oh, yeah. 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 Upstairs. It's sort of a little bit like the old Mighty Mighty in Wellington for uh, people around here. But um, yeah, it was a pretty and it was uh, it's a vibey city for sure. And, and people here would probably flavor. know it from the uh, Wire, you know, yeah. uh, series. But how did you find, I mean, uh, living there and music and. Oh, I, lo- I love I love Baltimore. I really do. Um, it, it's not a functional place, though. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of. Um, it's a tough town, you know. There's a lot of a lot of crime, and you know you you have to watch your ass when you mm. walk. There's no relaxing, <laughs> really, on the street there. Um, uh, and it's, but there's, I mean, one thing about Baltimore is that there's so much space there because it's really, it's, it's got about two thirds of the amount of people that it had 30 years ago. Mm. So it's really, it's kind of definitely post industrial. Mm. Um, but what, what happens with that is that there's all this warehouse space. So everybody's got lots of room to work and it's, it's uh, relatively easy to make a living there, you know, if you can read and, you know, with some basic skills. Mm-hmm. Um, um, unfortunately, not everybody can read there. Um, but uh, uh, so uh, just the artists working there are there so that they can, you know, you know, there's a sort of advice like don't move to New York to figure out what you, how to play music, you know, <laughs> like go someplace and you can figure out what you do, mm-hmm. um, and then bring it to the world. So mm-hmm. that's sort of the path. But um, so many artists are, are and and musicians collaborate there just freely because everybody, you know, it's not like you want to practice at your place or my place, you know. Uh, and uh, so so that's that you know that that generates a real kind of culture, and then also. Um, I mean, the other place that you can see Baltimore is in the movies of John Waters. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is sort of, you know, I saw Pink Flamingos and 
Desperate Living, the early ones, and I thought, oh, yeah, yeah I, want, I want to go to Baltimore. I like that. Mm. You know, it's kind of hideous and, and grotesque, but, you know, it's a very eccentric kind of place. Mm, mm. And that last track had, no, this is a Baltimore thing, but um, kind of reminded me of some of Sun Ra's kind of music he did with um, uh, drum machines and uh, Disco two th- 3000, oh, stuff cool. like that. I uh-huh. haven't heard that. Oh, yeah. It sounds a bit like that. Oh, like a program baseline and drum yeah, machine. Cool. But, but you were in... Uh, but, the Sun Ra band was in uh, Philly down the road where you lived yeah. for a while yeah. as well, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And did yeah. you play with him? Well, this is no? the um, next track I have lined up is with a the singer, Tara Middleton, and she's in Sun Ra Orchestra. Mm. Um, and she worked with me on a couple of ballet shows. And so I thought I'd pull up one. It's kind of a sad thing. <laughs> but, <laughs> it, you know, it has us, both of us singing on it and... Um, it was for a ballet, which was all about this choreographer was uh, ha- had be- recently become a mother, and um, the, basically the ballet was a lot about motherhood and uh, the just the nasty side of it, really the nasty side of motherhood, because <laughs> she was really struggling. <laughs> uh, I shouldn't laugh about that, but yeah, it was um, uh, interestingly enough. Um, uh, Tara, who I was performing this with at the time, was actually pregnant, and we didn't know until later on where she finally said, I'm having a baby now. <laughs> well, like, we just made this play all about the horrible things, all about motherhood. <laughs> the <whole time. laughs> um, but yeah, it's a, I'm sure, as you know, it's a, it's a, um, a blessing and a, a joy, as well as a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. Hard things, but so this song is from that ballet. Um, yeah, shall we? Yeah, make it go. Hey, Mama, tell me, where are all your children? Your arms no longer big enough to hold them. And once upon a time, you'd all be safe together. Strange season brings a different kind of weather. Try to catch the joy while it's flying Hold on tight to nothing but air What you gave was not of your choosing What you gave was more than your share Time it'll be safe together. 
kind of weather That was uh, Rockabye from the ballet called Rockabye, um, all about the uh, trials and tribulations of motherhood. Um, yeah. And was uh, is that you worked with the few ballet companies on a few different shows over there? I mainly or? just worked with one ballet company on a right. few different shows, but yeah. uh, this was usually I work with a choreographer called Matthew Neenan, and this was with a different choreographer, Penny Saunders. Yeah. She she was pretty cool. Lots of the, I, I like to work with the choreographers that are into the theatrical side of it. So mm. it's usually dancers are kind of being people, characters, with sort of a story. Yeah. And at those sorts of shows, did they tour in the states or? 
Um, not that particular one, but others, yeah, others have. Cool. Sounds like good work. It, it, well, it's hard work. It's, uh, you know, I always feel a little bit traumatised afterwards because uh, I always underestimate how hard it is to take all of those instruments and make it happen live on a big stage where you're all sort of spread out and and if you don't have a good sound engineer or a good sound designer cuz the ballet the ballet sound people are used to just playing CDs maybe a string quartet or a piano player something mm. pretty basic um so once you're adding in like lots of different instruments many cues people changing instruments people singing as well all this kind of shenanigans um it's really hard to to yeah uh, the the methods of ballet just don't cater for that they don't have a budget for a really good sound engineer that's going to make it all work you know still running on really tight budgets and they don't have a sound a stage manager either to make sure everything comes together really well so it's kind of like a super professional show with really high expectations but they don't actually when you start doing something really different like that they don't have the support you know to to figure it out so it's really actually really stressful and it usually takes a year afterwards we look back and go oh that was really good actually that was a good show because i spent about a year just going oh what did we do (laughs) that was so hard why did we think that was a good idea (laughs) yeah so yep peaks and gutters yep Neil it's been lining something up Uh, oh oh, yes oh this is a um, this is an oldie I think it's from the aughts what's that Um, it's a band that at some point I decided to um, to have a bar band is what I called it it's just something that that rocked you know with drums Mm. Um, a, a trio with drums and, um, you know, that would be loud and raucous. And, um, in fact, I've sort of been getting in the mood to reform this, um, this form, uh, that is Mugwump. And, um, so this, uh, it, this was taken, I believe this cut is from a live performance at the kitchen in oh, New yeah. York. And um, from the aughts, and it's, so it's uh, uh, Bob Wagner on drums and Dan Breen on former guitar, on Gataint, actually, and and me on Gataint. And Gataint is um, in the same family of instruments as the Coquilina, Except it's uh, it's an earlier version and it's and it's much heavier and um, uh, heavier physically or heavier physically, musically? but both yeah both yeah eight pounds versus four pounds and um, uh, you know it's just a little more um, yeah it's a little but also heavier and. Um, and I don't know. This may include um, uh, an introduction that has something to do with um, clocks and ice and dirt. Okay. So I don't know. Let's let's see let's what this see. is.
Mugwomp, am I right? That was Mugwomp. Is that the name of the band? That was the name of the band. Oh, yeah. Yeah, among other That's the bar band. It's a pretty, um, I, I wouldn't mind going to the bar that that's the bar band for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm thinking, I'm thinking I, might need to, I might need to play that kind of music again and <laughs> feel, I'm, those feelings. Those feelings are coming back. <laughs> In fact, I, I did a band. Um, uh, I, I formed a new band that was sort of like that called Worm Eater right before the lockdown, mm. which was a drummer, me playing um, uh, Coquilina, and then um, uh, a young rapper from Philly, well, it was Robbie who you met when you oh, were yeah. in Philly. So yeah. he was doing the drummer, and uh, and then Zula, who at that time was uh, Khalil Ali, who raps and screams and jumps around, and he's, he's just sort of like a, um, I did you know, a exploding bouncing ball, <laughs> um, and so yeah, the the energy was was very similar to that. Um, so I guess we're going to go back to, uh, yeah, looking for the next one. Um, yeah, what have you got for us? Let's uh, this is going to be off the same, the Instrumentory album, and it's another... It's that duets album. The duets yeah. album. And this one is with um, Rupert Wondolowski. I love that name, the instrumentory. Yeah. That's <laughs> where you keep all the instruments. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's see. And while you're searching for that, you've just um, <laughs> finished a, the sort of trauma of doing a um, creative New Zealand application. Oof. But. Uh, for <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for the project, which sounds really great, do you want to. Tell oh, us what's yes. going to be coming up. Yeah, well, um, uh, what I'm planning is a monthly residency of gigs uh, with a big band of, well, we've got about 20 people in this big band. Um, and uh, we're going to be calling it the best, most happiest fun sexy cabaret of good fortune and prosperity <laughs> and it's presented by um outer space food fight and uh yeah we're just we are we're going to be down at meow on thursday nights monthly and putting on a show that has all the big band music that I've composed that will be evolving every month. And every month we have a theme that's related to the season that we're in. Uh, what we need right then and there, daggy little bits of um, good fortune wisdoms and collaborations with different guest artists, um, surprises. Um, yeah, we just want to mix it all up a little bit. Um, and when is the first of the when? What's oh the yeah, first? we start. The Have you got a date? April the eighth. Sweet. That's the first one. Yep. Cool. That's so, at meow. At meow. Yeah. Great. Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. Eight till ten. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Neil, have you found? I have. What I have found it. Um, and this is also. I need to uh, mention that uh, the words to this are by uh, Heather Christie. Um, and from her book, uh, What is Amazing? 
and uh, I will. What is so? What is this track? Is this this is this is from uh, basically for the album. We there's four sides to the album, and for two of the sides, we booked um, the Red Room, which is this uh, improvised music space um, that I that's been going on in Baltimore for twenty three years or so, and I was one of the founding members of it. <clears throat> but um, they hold about fifty concerts a year in there. And um, it's a lovely little room that is basically the side room of a bookstore. Mm. Um, so acoustically, it's really nice because it's, you know, mm. it's all books. Um, so anyway, the, the method was we just booked. So I had 12 people in three nights doing, doing sessions. So, was, so Rupert, who, um, who I've known probably one of the first people I met in Baltimore, and we have subsequently played in bands, and but not for like thirty years, and we lived together for a time. Um, but he 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 runs the bookstore, and he said, "Hey, how about getting me in on one of these sessions?" And we hadn't played together for thirty years, and uh, he's more of a singer songwriter kind of guy. So anyway, and he was playing, and he picked up this book, and this is um, what resulted. People love to clean their ears. And I love people very much. They're everywhere. Every single thing I love, I love for windows only. And if one window reflects another, then friends, for me, it's all over. And in the windows are trees. And in the windows are people. What are they even doing with their hunger? And in their new shirts. They're taking care of themselves and and they're taking each other out for lunch. <laughs> lunch. Oh, even the rain has to love them. Even the rain has to love them. People are just too attractive. And the rain places itself on the window in order to be closer to the people. The ones who are eating. The ones who are busting out vigor. Oh, people, you have to love people. They are so much like ourselves. Well, they've been switched around. <laughs> so there wasn't exactly the track we're playing, but it's the same. It's the same. Uh, same it's the people. same setup. Yeah, context. But you wanted yeah. to play. The Gee, one I hope we... that's not wrong on the on the record. <laughs> <laughs> so professional. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Ideas come from the ocean. 
So that was Neil Feather and I forgot your... Rupert Wondolowski. Live in the Red Room, which is a little side room from Bookshop in Baltimore. Sounds great. Normals, normals, books and records. <laughs> and um, we've got time for one more track. I think we're going to go with the Zirkus track here. Yeah, this is a Zirkus track from the old days. Uh, it's called March of the Crocodiles and it's... Um, it's a beautifully long-winded, um, deconstructed march f- filled with, you know, the, the story behind it is that the, you see the crocodiles marching to the music that we play for crocodiles to march, to see the music that we march for crocodiles to play, around and around and around. It's about you do the thing, you have to fill out the paperwork, and then the bureaucrats do that dance, and then they give it back to you, and then you do more, and then it just perpetuates this terrible system of too much paperwork and just all this awfulness. So that's what this piece is really about. It's about the bureaucratic <laughs> system. Um and uh, trying to dissolve it all completely. <laughs> Great. So, uh, Rosie Langerbeer and Neil Feather, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, ah, thanks for, thanks having, for us. having us.